All right, <clears throat> James chapter 4. These guys are nice, right? Everybody in this series has gotten like 10, 15 verses. I get two. Two verses to cover in 45 minutes. All right? Um, so we're in uh, James chapter 4, and we're just going to look at verse 11 and 12. Okay? Verse 11 says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. You are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there is one judge or lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Whew, some nice encouraging verses this morning for us to look at. All right. Uh, keep your finger there. Just turn over quickly to Romans. Romans chapter 14. Just one verse there, too. Those of you who have the handout, you'll see it's on there, too. The reference uh, goes along with what we're going to be talking about today. Romans chapter 14. Uh, Romans 14 is a great passage on the law of liberty. Uh, we're not going to get into that, but this one verse here I think is important for, again, what we're looking at in James. Romans 4, 14, verse 4. It says, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or fails. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. The Lord will bless the reading of his word again this morning. Let's just ask for his help. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the lawgiver. He is the judge. And uh, we are so grateful for your precious word. We would ask again this morning that as I speak, that as people attentively listen, that we would not be listening to me, uh, that we would be listening uh, to you and to what you have to say to us this morning. Uh, Lord, uh, even now, we would just pray that you would prepare our hearts, that it would be good soil to receive the implanted word. Um, Lord God, we just pray that uh, if we hear your voice this morning, that we would not harden our hearts. And so we ask these things so that you might change us, that, that we can glorify your son's name in and through our lives. And so we pray all these things in his name. Amen. James chapter 4. <clears throat> all right, so as we've been looking at here, right, James has given us this vision, if you will, of the mature believer. Right? James has been setting up for us these triumphs that we must make if we are ever to re reach spiritual maturity. And I go all the way back to the very beginning of this book that we started, and I'll, I'll illustrate it again, is that when you say to yourselves, well, that sounds kind of prideful, but no, if we think of it this way, is that my daughter, Sailor, right now, she is so cute. I love her. I love that she coos and she spits and things like that, okay? But 20 years from now, if she's doing that, that's disturbing. It's, it's really not a cute thing. It's not a beautiful thing. It's actually, like I said, it's quite disturbing. And that James is saying, James is saying, listen, you've been walking with the Lord for how long now? Right? You know these things he's talking in the beginning, is that this is what you should look like now. You shouldn't be acting and thinking and, and talking like this over here. It's, it's childish. Right? And so it's nice that James kind of 
sets before us, right, these triumphs that, that we must make if we're ever to reach spiritual maturity. Right, in chapters 1 through 3, we saw that he brings before us certain major features of our human character, right, and our personality, our human makeup, right? He talked to us of the tongue and about our moral sense. Here in chapter 4, we started last week, he speaks about our desires, right? And here, it's interesting, in this context, he's actually speaking about our capacity, right, for pleasure, right? That we as Christians, we can actually enjoy pleasure. Um, and, and how does that all work? And so we get to this portion here where he says, do not speak evil of one another. What I want to try to do, this is where we're going this morning, is this. I want to uh, first look into this. What, what does this mean to speak evil of one another? Um, and then I want to try to illustrate it for us if we can. Uh, and then we're going to get into some practical ways that maybe we can stop doing it. Okay? So that's kind of where we're going this morning. All right, this word here, to speak evil against, uh, it literally means to speak against. Uh, an example is to slander. Now, the word that's translated in the Bible, to slander, is not this exact same word, um, but uh, this word is very closely related to it, and it's one of the examples of it, is to actually slander uh, someone or to speak evil against. And it describes many kinds of harmful speech. Uh, one of them is to question legitimate authority. All right, we see this same uh, type of word as when the people of Israel spoke against God and Moses. When they spoke against him, they were speaking evil against uh, God and Moses. They were questioning God's legitimate authority in Numbers chapter 21. Um, this word uh, also describes slandering someone in secret. Slandering someone in secret. It also uh, could mean to bring incorrect accusations. Okay? To bring an incorrect accusation towards someone. And so here, James's readers, right, um, they were speaking against each other in one or more of these ways. And that's why James has to address it. Okay? The readers of James's book here, they are, that's what they're doing. And as we said again, all the way back in the beginning, right, the neat thing about the book of James is that it's not written to any one particular church, right? It's for all the churches and certainly applicable to each of us today. Now, when we get into this, I want to make sure we understand, too, that James is not prohibiting the proper admonishing and exhorting of one another. Okay? And this is where it's going to, you have to, going to have to pay attention here, okay? Because certainly the Bible teaches, right, that we are to judge one another, right? Not those outside the church, but those within the church. We are to judge one another. But there's a proper way of admonishing and exhorting one another. James is also not uh, prohibiting, right, um, the act of putting someone out of fellowship. Right? That's certainly taught uh, in the Bible as well, forbidding the right uh, to um, exclude someone from fellowship. Right? The Bible allows for that, depending on what the circumstances are. Right? James is, is not forbidding these things. Right? What James is concerned with here is that jealous, prideful speech by which we condemn others to be wrong in the sight of God. Like I said, we're going to get into this. Okay? So what I'd like to do is I want to clarify what is included in this word. All right? What is included in speaking evil against one another? Okay? So there are four things that we're going to look at this morning. Speaking evil of one another, or judging in this context, judging one another, right, involves this. One, 
information that is hollow. Okay? Information that is hollow. Saying something that is not true about someone else is wrong. Saying something about someone else that is not true is wrong. And listen, here's the interesting thing about it is that when we do it, and we do it, many times we don't even intentionally do it. Many of us, when we're sharing information with other people about another brother or sister, right, you actually are not intentionally lying. Perhaps you've been misinformed. Many times you are underinformed. We cannot know everything that can be known about people's hearts, about their backgrounds, their circumstances. Right? We rarely have all the facts. So our version of the truth may be a far cry from what actually happened or what that person really meant. And yet we're quick to do that, right? We hear from one brother or sister about this sister over here, and we misunderstood what they said, or we didn't get all the information, so now we're going over here, and we're going to tell this brother or sister over here, hey, did you hear about this sister over here? Right? And you are lying about that person all the while. You think what you're saying is true, but the point is that you're misunderstood. And you are actually giving them information that is hollow, information that is not true. It's a lie. And this is part of this word that James is talking about here. He says, so we can give a false report merely because we're not privy to all the information. So when you're aware of a situation, right, that puts someone else in a negative light, we need to be very careful. When you are privy to information, that's going to put someone else in a negative light. You have to be very, very careful. Because almost always, you don't have all the information. The information that you have is very empty. It's missing stuff. Okay? You're misunderstood or um, misinformed or under-informed. Now, if we choose to share what we think we know. We could be passing along lies and misleading conclusions without even realizing it. So be very, very careful. And and let me just try to um, stress to you how serious this is to God. You remember that God came up with ten commandments. One of them is to not bear false witness against your neighbor. That was one of God's ten commands. Not only that, but in Proverbs, he says there are six things that the Lord hates. Six things, right? And one of them is a false witness who speaks lies. Man, brothers and sisters, if you feel like you need to share something that could be harmful to someone else, about someone else, right? We're going to get this later on. You may not want to do it, but be very careful with the information that you have. Because okay? many of the times the information that we have is not all of it. And it's so hard for us, right, to know where someone's hearts are at, where their motives are at, what circumstances involved in that. Right? But we're so quick to judge and we're so quick to 
speak of that person without all the information. And so listen, God takes that very seriously. In fact, it's one of the things that he hates is that when we speak falsely about someone else, one of his own. So be very, very careful of that. Okay? So um, as we look into this idea of speaking evil against, one of the things that it involves is information that is hollow. Okay? But the second thing that it involves is intentions that are harmful. Okay? Intentions that are harmful. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, has an interesting word uh, for this slanderer. He says, the words of a talebearer. Okay? But really the word means a gossip or a slanderer. He says, the words of a talebearer are like wounds, and they go down into the inmost body. That, that word there, wounds, actually means intended to hurt, disparage, or malign. So that's what a slanderer does, right? A, a talebearer, they, their intention is to hurt. Their intention is to malign, to disparage. Suppose someone has done something and is at fault, which happens, right? People do make mistakes. People sin. Um, it is not my business to go about speaking against that person everywhere I go. It's not your business. We're going to talk about what is your business to do, right? But why should I? Why do we feel like when, when a brother or sister is caught in a fault, why do we feel like that that gives us the liberty to then just speak against them everywhere you go? And listen, you may not think, well, I don't do that to anybody here, but how often do we do it to the universal church? Right? We, we, we hear of a brother or sister who commits a sin, right, or does something, and we think, oh, we have the right now to talk with each other about that person. They're like, oh, did you hear what that guy did? Oh, man. No, and 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 it's the and the intention is to harm that person, or to malign, or to disparage that person. The law, as James is talking about here, the law says that I am to love my brother as myself, to love him or her as myself. In our hearts, right, we know. How harmful words make the other person look. We know it. When we say things, we know, right, what we're doing. Right? We know how, man, harmful words can be when you talk about someone else to someone. Right? And, and, and the intent of our words at times. We know it in our heart. And, and that's just with... Um, Sometimes, like I said, it could be lies, right? The, the, the things that you say to someone else, speaking against someone else, probably we just said earlier, is that sometimes you don't even have all the information. It may not even be true what you're saying, right? So there's certainly this idea of, of, of speaking lies, right, and incorrect things about someone else in order to malign them or to disparage them or to hurt them. But here's the crazy thing. What we could say... Right? Or what we do say uh, against another brother or sister could be 100% true. It could be. It doesn't have to be a lie. Right? It, what you are saying about a brother or sister to another brother or sister 
could be 100% true, and yet it is still slander. So even when you're right, even when you have all the facts, even when you know without a shadow of a doubt what you're talking about, we need to ask ourselves, what's my purpose in adding this to the conversation? Why do I feel the need to bring up this into this conversation that we're having? Even if it is true, right? Am I intending to hurt someone? To put someone down or, or cast him and her or him or her in a bad light? Here's what we normally do, right? We, we bring this into the conversation, right, to draw attention to ourselves, right? As someone who's in the know, right? Hey, listen, just funny. I don't know if you guys realize this, but I, I know this about this person. They're having a hard time right now. They're struggling. You know, they, there's these sins they're involved in, things like that. I just, just want to make sure you guys know I, I'm in the know. I know that. Solomon says this. He says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. He also adds this in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. He says, it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is his glory to overlook an offense. So there could be a legitimate offense. There could be a fault. Could be a hundred percent true, but that doesn't mean that it's still not slander. Just because we know something does not mean that we need to share it. If part of our motive in telling is to tarnish what others think about a person, then who cares how true it is? And that's a big part of this, right? A big part of what James is talking about is really our motives, right? What is your motive in telling these things, saying these things? What's in your heart? But it doesn't really matter how true it is. If your intention is to tarnish even just a little bit of what others might think of that person, it doesn't matter how true it is. It's still slander. The Lord himself, right, he will bring the truth to light in his own good time without your help. The Lord will. Now, <clears throat> the context here, right? One of the things that James talked about is worldliness. Right? And, and, and our um, capacity for pleasure and things like that. And, and, and James is very concerned, too, with his readers saying, hey, listen, right? You don't want to love the world too much, right? So, again, I'm not saying that if you see me um, getting to love the world too much, that you will have a quiet word for me, right? And you come to me and say, hey, listen, John, just want to make sure, is everything good? You know, I see you're spending a lot of time here doing this. It's not taking away your heart from Christ, is it? Okay? There's, there's a way that can be happening, right? That, that, that's another thing, right? And, and thank God for friends like that. Right? Hopefully you have leaders like that that can come alongside and say, hey, listen, just, I'm just concerned with, How's everything going with you in Christ? Right? We, we don't want the things of this world to, to um, take away our, our love uh, for Christ. Right? But it, I'm thankful for those who gently inquire 
whether this or that is taking me away from the Lord. But again, a a leader or a friend like that wouldn't go around spreading it either. (laughs) That that wouldn't be something that, that characterizes them. And that's what James is talking about here. And that is not to say either that we should never discuss negative truths with anyone. Right? There are certainly times that we need to confront painful realities and perhaps hold someone accountable. But we need to be very careful when we do so. Let me emphasize this. Praying over the matter. Okay? Too often we go to a brother or a sister and, and we, we do have to perhaps hold them accountable or talk about some painful reality. And you know what? You didn't pray about it. You didn't really go before the Lord about it. Maybe perhaps it wasn't what you said, it's how you said it. And maybe it wasn't what you said, it's when you said it. And so we've got to be very careful. Be very careful. I'm not saying again that there are not times that we discuss these things with anyone. But we need to pray about the matter. We need to seek dependable counsel if necessary. And as always, we have to examine our own motives. Again, why do you feel like you have to talk to this person about this? What is your motive in doing so? There's a big difference between thoughtful, necessary confrontation about an issue and using that issue to build ourselves up or tear someone else down. Be very careful. Hey, if your intention is to build yourself up or to tear that brother or sister down, James says, hey, you can't do it. A mature believer doesn't do that. And so this idea of speaking evil against one another, certainly it it involves information that could be hollow. You might not have all the information that you need. But even if you do, many times what James talking about is that it involves intentions that are harmful. Intentions that are harmful. The the intent is to say something that will malign that person's character or or put them into a a negative light. Or to lift your own self up. Build your own self up. Here's the third thing that speaking evil of one another involves. It involves individuals that are hurt. Individuals that are hurt. Listen, slander can be a lie. Slander can actually be truth. But slander always hurts somebody. Always. Do not be fooled into thinking that it doesn't. Slander always is hurtful. Listen, as I mentioned before, our intent is not always malicious. And I certainly would be concerned if any of us in here maliciously likes to go up and speak evil of someone else. It's not ever like that, right? Our intention is never really malicious, right? Sometimes these hurtful comments, they just slip out, don't they? Casual conversation, offhand comments, right? We didn't really mean anything by it. We were just saying. But what difference does it make how lightly we say it? If reputations are smeared, trusts are broken, leaders are trashed, churches maligned, our children are hardened, and relationships are damaged. What good how light you say it? (laughs) What good is it? I was just saying. I didn't really mean it. 
Listen, it may feel good at the moment to make a chatty or hurtful comment about someone else, but does anything good from our having done that? There's no good. In fact, all it does is leave individuals who are hurt. Be very careful. Slander can be a lie. Slander can be true. But slander always hurts somebody. Always. And the last thing that slander or this idea of speaking evil of one another involves is impurities of the heart. This is interesting, right? If you're someone who is speaking evil against someone else, right, not only does that hurt others, right, but it really reveals the contaminants of your own heart. If you're someone who is habitually, you know, talking and speaking evil of others, and we said it doesn't have to be malicious, right? If you're someone who just kind of slips out all the time, you make these offhand comments, it really indicates where your heart's at. you got some contamination going on there. It, it reveals those impurities that are in there. And I'd like to just mention three, three that I think are evident when we do this. One, pride. Right? The reason why we speak evil of someone else, right? It, it's the desire to make ourselves look better or smarter, more spiritual, more together, and superior. Right? That's why we do it. If only by making another person look worse by comparison. That's what we do. It's always about making ourselves look more superior than someone else. And so we say these little comments, right? So not only does it reveal the pride in your own heart, but it also can show the envy in your own heart. Right? A lot of times when we speak evil against someone, right, it's because we resent another's position or we resent the connections that they have, the success that they have, their family, their talents, their possessions, or their reputation. We, we may not be able to speak or sing or entertain guests or quote scripture like that person can, right? So we want to bring them down a notch. So many times it shows that in your own heart there's jealousy, there's envy. Not only does it reveal the pride in your own heart, reveals the envy in your own heart, but it reveals a critical spirit. If you're someone that is doing this, you, you have the tendency to be judgmental, to jump to conclusions, to secretly hope that others will fail. We can downplay whatever others have achieved by questioning or cheapening how they did it and making them appear less than. We're good at that. We've got to be very careful, um, like I said, that we are to admonish one another and encourage one another. Okay? But we've got to be careful that we don't are ones who have a critical spirit. Okay? Every time someone gets up to speak, we're sitting in the chair looking for the one mistake they're going to make. Okay? I do that. Okay? Part of the problem with having the gift of teaching. But it's something I've got to work on. 
right? We're so quick when someone says, oh, I did this. Oh, I don't know if that was the exact way you should have done that. Right? We're, we're so quick to judge and be critical of what they did. Right? And that shows the contaminants in our own heart. And, and like I said here, you know, th- there seems to be situations where believers speak against each other more uh, than on the question of worldliness. Right? Sometimes we can do that. We can, we can um, speak evil of one another in questioning um, their worldliness, right? Um, James is also discussing this matter of criticizing each other on what pleasures they allow themselves. Excuse me, I mean, he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, you know, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? And so we have this capacity for pleasure. I mean, certainly we do have worldliness, and worldliness is that which takes us from Christ, right? Um, and, and, and all its systems, things like that. But also this capacity for pleasure can do the same thing, right? Um, and so, so James, to me, at least in this context here, you know, it, it's so interesting, right, that these things that we're talking about, they kind of... It's almost like James is summarizing everything up to this point, right? When you think about speaking evil of someone, that talks about the tongue, right? And, and all these things that, we were, that we've been talking about, the worldliness and, and things like that. But, but also I think here is this idea of James is discussing the matter of criticizing each other on what pleasures they allow themselves. And so this is where I want to get to this point. We've looked at this idea of speaking evil against one another and the four things that it involves, Right? But you still might be sitting there saying, okay, listen, but what does it look like, John? Like, how does this, you know, um, look in everyday life? And so I'm going to give you an illustration, and it's a really silly one, but I actually am trying to make it as silly and as simple to emphasize the point, okay? So here we have a good man, and before he got converted, okay, he was head over heels into tennis. Any tennis players here? I don't want to offend anybody this morning. I apologize, okay? All right. So he was head over heels, right, into tennis. He had no time for God or anything else. Sometimes after his matches, he would end up at the bar and, you know, things would go from there, right? When he got converted, right, he came to see that he had wasted his life. From then on, he wanted to live for Christ and he wasn't going to waste his time on tennis. So he decided... He wasn't going to play any more tennis. He would give himself full time to the Lord. Well, then one day, he sees another brother playing tennis. So he decides there's something seriously wrong with his spirituality. He must be worldly. I gave that kind of thing up when I got saved, he says. Then he proceeds to spread it around to everyone. Did you see this guy over here? You wouldn't believe how worldly he is. Really? That guy? Are you serious? Yeah. Listen, he's doing things that I used to do before I got saved. You're kidding me. Listen, you know what? That guy's not preaching here anymore. <laughs> no way. And so it goes on and, and, and goes on. Several of us may have been tempted to talk against a brother like that. James says that as a mature believer... You are not to speak against a brother like that. But what if he is doing wrong? Well, suppose he is, right? In that case there, playing tennis was not the wrong thing to do. 
But what if he was doing something wrong? The Bible says that you are not to speak against him, (laughs) even if he is wrong. Instead, you are to love him. And if you start speaking about him all over the place, you're doing worse than he ever could. You are now positively breaking a straightforward commandment. There is no commandment in the Bible that says, thou shalt not play tennis. But there is a commandment that says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and when James talking about the law here, I mean, certainly, um, we got Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16, which talks about um, that you are not to go up and down slandering um, a brother or a sister. The, the Levitical law had it. But I think James 2, because we read in James chapter 2, right? Remember, James now is fulfilling the royal law, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so certainly I think the law that governs each of us, right, is the law of Christ, right? The, the, the teachings of Christ. But certainly um, either one of these, right, you would be breaking them. Right? If you start criticizing him, if you start criticizing this brother and speaking against him because of his faults, right, James here says you're speaking against the law. The law says that you shall love your neighbor, and that means that you will not go around speaking against him. And really what he's saying is if you don't take the law seriously, you are saying by your behavior that you are superior to the law and that you know better than the law. That's what James is saying here. He's saying, listen, if you see a brother and he is wrong, and you say, you know what, he's wrong, and I'm going to go spread this around to everybody and talk about how wrong he is. He says, what do you think you are? You're better than the law? You think you're superior to the law? It's interesting that James here contrasts judging the law with doing the law. What he's saying is failure to do the law involves an implicit denial of the law's authority in your own life. We do that, right? Right? We, we read even in, this, in James here that we are to be doers of the word. Right? Not just be mere hearers. But if you're someone who doesn't do what the word says, what you're saying is, listen, that's not authority in my life. It it indicates how you feel about God's law, about his word. If you say, hey, listen, I know what God's word says, but I'm still going to do what I want to do, then it clearly indicates how you feel about God's word. And he's saying this too. He goes, listen, that's how it contrasts with the law. Right? If you're not going to be a doer of the law, then you're saying, in essence, that uh, you are denying the law's authority in your own life. But even worse still, he says in verse 12, you are in danger of appointing yourself as the judge in this matter. Oh, man. You see that brother in a fault, you take it upon yourself, not to love them, but to actually criticize him in front of other people and to speak evil. James saying, okay, now, not only are you putting yourself above the law, but you're the judge, I guess, huh? You're the lawgiver. He says, and you are not the judge. (laughs) There is only one judge. There is only one lawgiver. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you to judge that brother or that sister? To criticize them, to speak evil against them. The law was fulfilled at the cross through Jesus Christ. That other brother might not be wrong. 
right? What is worldliness? You, you say it's playing tennis, right? I'm going back to the illustration. He, he's speaking evil of this brother, right? He said, listen, he's worldly. And they're like, well, what is, what is worldliness to you? And he's like, well, he goes, it's playing tennis. Well, where did you read that? He says, well, when I played tennis, yes, yes, when you played tennis. It wasn't the tennis that was wrong, but the tennis was used by the world to draw your heart away from Christ. And that was what was wrong. That doesn't mean that because this dear brother is playing tennis, it is drawing his heart away from Christ, does it? How would you know anyway? Who is the judge of whether something is drawing my heart away from the Lord? Must it not eventually be the Lord Jesus Christ? (laughs) He's the only one that can tell that. You can't tell that. Romans 14, as we read earlier, says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. We are all accountable to the lawgiver. (laughs) We are accountable to the judge the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have to give an answer to him. Be very careful. Okay? Before you go to a brother or sister and, or spread <laughs> evil about them to someone else, if you don't know their motives, if you don't know where their heart is at, very careful. Right? Leave that to the Lord Jesus. Let the Lord Jesus deal with that. It is quite arrogant for me to put myself between the Lord and his servants. <laughs> That's a scary place to be, to sit there and think that you now are above the law and that you yourself are the judge and put yourself between the Lord Jesus Christ and his people, his servants. We must, be, we must beware of making mere arbitrary rules that in the end turn out to be nonsense. We must beware of making rules and regulations and then judging other people by them. Listen, that's our fallen nature. We have a tendency to do that. We make up our own rules. Right? And every one of us in the year has our own tendencies. We're bent a certain way, and some of it's based on how you grew up. Some of it's based on you know, just your own convictions, your personality. But we all make our own rules and regulations. And be very careful yeah, that we do not judge other people by them. We can judge one another by what God's Word says. Right? But that does not mean, even if it's something that there is kind of God's word, that you can go ahead and speak evil with everybody else about them. But we have to be careful. So, so how do we root uh, out speaking evil of one another? Okay? So here are some practical helps to putting a halt to slander. All right? Number one, humble yourself. It's interesting, too, again, in this context, right? Brian just spoke out last week. God says what? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Man, listen, we always said, too, that this reveals a lot of the contaminants in your heart, pride being one of them. So if this is something that that you know in your own life, it's an area that that you need to give to the Lord, listen, do so. But in order to do it, you've got to humble yourself, right? You've got to humble yourself. You've got to acknowledge that you have spoken falsely. Right? That you had passed along hurtful news, even under the pretense of a prayer or a personal concern. Right? Man, how many times do we do that? And hopefully we'll get these, prayer, these small groups started uh, together. Don't let these small groups, this time of sharing prayer requests, don't let that, that be a, a way for you to talk about other people. Right? We love to do that. 
hey, listen, I know I shouldn't say this, but I know you'll pray about it. So here, let me tell you. What is that? <laughs> right? Man, humble yourself and say, you know what? I have done that. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right? And, and the idea of humbling yourself is really, you've got to understand that when you're doing that, you need to ask God for forgiveness. Okay? Because I said already, you've made yourself the judge. You've put yourself between God and his servants. Right? You put yourself above the law. And you need to say, hey, God, listen, I'm sorry for doing that. But also you need to realize that you've hurt people too along the way. And if you have an opportunity to do that, you need to seek their forgiveness as well and confess to them. Now, listen, sometimes it's going to be a little awkward, right? If you go to someone and say, hey, I've been slandering you. They didn't know that. Now, you may want to use some wisdom from there. Again, James, right? Wisdom from above, right? But you can at least confess it to God, right? Ask for forgiveness and then make sure, hey, listen, I'm not going to slander that person anymore. I'm not going to say those things, right? Second thing. This is a real tough one. Stop it. Stop. Just stop doing it. Okay? Don't be just a hearer of God's word. Be a doer of God's word. And as I said, if you hear God's voice this morning, do not harden your hearts. Right? Just stop it. Stop doing it. The uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you. Put it away. Get rid of it. Okay? Before you air your grievances, take a minute to check your motivation. Okay? Is it to see the offended exposed? Is it to punish them? Uh, to gain an in, outside alley, uh, an, an outside ally who will sympathize and feel sorry for you? And then consider this. Have you prayed for the person who's hurting you? Have you gone to that person in a genuine appeal for his or her personal welfare and restoration? Now listen, someone could offend you, right? We're good at it. We can offend one another. We can hurt one another. But if that's the case, before you approach that brother or sister, right, have you prayed for them? That is so important. So humble yourself. Stop it. Number three, speak well of others. Speak well of others. We know Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come into your mouths, but only what is profitable for the edification and building up of one another. All right? So it's not about just not speaking evil, but at the same time, we are to speak well of each other. Okay? We are to build one another up. I heard this quote recently. I love it. It says, The way we speak to them will become the way they speak to themselves. That's powerful. For those of you who have parents and children, right? The way you speak to them will be eventually the way they speak to themselves. But we do it even amongst our brothers and sisters too. Be very careful how we speak to one another. Speak well of others. And not just negative all the time. Number four, rein in your thoughts. Rein them in. Right? Nothing you ever said didn't first start in your brain. And so we've got to really capture every thought, as 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says. Take every thought captive to what? To obey Christ. That's interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Right? When we bring our thought life under the control of the Spirit, we can enjoy the sweet fruit of words that are acceptable to Him and nourishing to others. Number five, talk less. <laughs> Right? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18 says this, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Right? But he who restrains his lips, excuse me, is wise. 
Right? Also, we read that we're slow to speak. So listen, talk less. I'm not saying stop talking. Right? But really think about that. Say, listen, maybe I'm just talking too much. Right? Talk less. And as I'm talking too much right now, we're going to finish with this. Last one. Uh, oh, actually, it's two more. Sorry. Think before you speak. Okay? Think before you speak. Uh, this is interesting, right? If the person being talked about was here in the room with us, would you say the same thing? Right? And even the world understands this. I, uh, in our school, we have committees. And for our committees, we have bylaws. And one of our bylaws is when we meet together to talk about a student, we have to pretend that parent is right there in the room. Why is that? Because it keeps our conversation professional. Okay? Right? So when you're talking about other people, talking with other people about another brother or sister, picture them right there in the room with you. Would you still say it with them right next to you? Okay? And then the last one, don't even listen to it. Don't even listen to it. Now listen, I'm not saying the next time now we get together and someone brings up someone, you go, oh, you didn't apply John's message and walk out the door and make that person feel like whatever. But listen, if the conversation starts, maybe there is a way that you can say, hey, listen, guys, maybe we can talk about something else. Or maybe you can interject something to get the conversation going another way. Right? Listen, it's hard. I've been in those situations where I'm sitting down with someone and I've, in my mind, I've told myself ahead of time, when I go there tonight, I don't want to talk negatively about anyone. And I guess where I find myself, right in the middle of it. And I'm like, how did this happen? How did I get here? So listen, it's going it's to take some time. But one of the nice ways, just don't even listen to it. Don't, don't get into that stuff, right? Because the tendency is you'll start talking and then start saying something. Don't even listen to it. So listen, James here says, hey, do not speak evil of one another, right? When you do so, Right? You're really you're putting yourself above the law, and worse than that, you are making yourself the lawgiver. You're making yourself, you're, yourself the judge. You're putting yourself between God and his servants. Right? Don't think that there is not a time where you can properly, right, with prayerful you know, consideration, talk about some of these things with each other. Right? But we are not to just use this as a way to uh, harm a brother or sister, to malign their character, to build ourselves up, to make us look good. Right? That's not the intention of that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you again for your word. Uh, Father, this is a hard one. Um, this is a really difficult one. Um, it is so easy for us to speak evil of one another. And, and as we look today, many times we don't do it maliciously. Um, we, we don't even realize we're doing it sometimes. So, Lord God, we would ask for your help, that you would bring it to our attention, that as we start to have these conversations again, that you would say, oh, that's right, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, Lord, we know that if we try to do this in of our own strength, we can't do it. And so we certainly need to rely on your Holy Spirit um, to help us in this matter. And so we're grateful for all that Jesus Christ did at the cross to fulfill the law. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit within each and every one of us. Um, and so, Lord God, we ask for your help this morning, again, so that uh, your name would be glorified, um, even in our conversations with one another. So we pray these things in his name. Amen.